Um, I'd like to introduce you to Sylvia, those who don't know, she's a friend of mine. Um, she's in our key group and she was telling us a story the other night and I just wanted to, uh, for her to share it with all of you because I thought it was really encouraging. Can you tell us what you do for a living? I'm a housekeeper, um, because I'm quite a big house. Yeah. I'm looking after babies, and cooking, and cooking. And you started to have, uh, just to recap, Sylvia's a house cleaner, uh, house, sorry, housekeeper, and looks after kids and has to look after all the kitchen stuff and the, basically the house in general, a great big house for Tom, Tom Walkinshaw, you guys. You, for those of you who know who he is, um, and you started having a problem with your hands, didn't you? Yeah. Yes. I kept getting pains all in the ends of my fingers, and then I've got lumps on them where it's arthritis. It was diagnosed so, as arthritis in the ends of my fingers. Um, so I was really concerned that um, I wouldn't be able. To, well, I knew I couldn't lift things properly, and I was beginning to be concerned about how much longer. I'd be able to work with it, and I loved my job, and I didn't want to think of leaving, and it was affecting me in so many ways. So you said a prayer, didn't you? Yes. When I was having my quiet time in the morning, one morning, um, after it was nearly over, I just touched my fingers, and I said, Lord, you know my feelings about these fingers, and how I love doing things, and at the moment I'm so <coughs> worried, and I just kept going like this, all the time about what I can do, but Lord, if it was your will, you would heal them for me. And if you want me to have the arthritis and go on to share with someone else the pain that they're going through, then I'm willing to go there. Anyway, I got up, made myself a cup of tea, and I went to pick the cup up. And I thought, I can't hold the cup like that usually. And I went to catch up with something else. Yeah. And it's marvellous. So I just move my fingers, there's no stiffness, no hurting when I lift anything. And well, God's just given me a miracle of the feeling back in my fingers, and it's absolutely wonderful. Praise God. Thank you very much. If any of you ever experience healing or anything, any good stories of what God's doing, then please do let us know. Uh, it's great to encourage one another. Have you ever missed a party and found that the next day everybody was raving about it? Uh, maybe that's why you never miss parties, but anyway. And if, you, if you've ever been in that situation, it can be hard to be excited for the people who are at the party. You know, you're pleased that they had a nice time, but you missed it. You weren't there. You missed out on the party. I think sometimes reading the Bible can feel a bit like that. Uh, or hearing stories of the incredible things that God has done more recently and is doing throughout, throughout the world at the moment. You know, it's great that, about all those things, but we missed it. We weren't there. And we really want to see those things happen here, don't we? We don't want to just hear stories about it. We don't want to live in the past... Uh, we live because of the past. We live because of what Jesus did for us when he died on the cross and rose again. But we live with hope and with vision for the future. God is not dead. He's not finished with us yet, thankfully. And in fact, uh, the Bible tells us that for each one of us, 
and for our church, the best is yet to come. Look at the, the first verse. You've got, all these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. In other words, if you walk close with God, this is what's going to happen. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock. In other words, your business will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on everything you put your hand to. That's a promise for each one of us that if we walk with God, if we walk faithfully with him, that he will bless us. And it doesn't matter whether you live in the city or in the country. It doesn't matter whether you're part of uh, the city of Oxford or whether you're coming, traveling in from one of the areas outside. God's blessing is there for each one of us. But here we find another problem. Sometimes the vision that we have of God's blessing for us can seem so big and so far off that it's difficult for us to get hold of. For example, the Bible says that we should pray for the sick, that we should be involved in raising the dead and that kind of thing. Imagining seeing someone raised from the dead is, uh, or seeing someone who's had their leg amputated and seeing that leg grow back whole. For most of us, that's so far beyond our current experience that it's, it's almost impossible for us to have faith, to be able to even comprehend that God could do that through us. We know up here that God could, but for us to really believe it and take hold of it is very difficult. In Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, we only need a little bit of faith to come to God. But we know it says here that God uh, will reward anybody who earnestly seeks him. If we seek after God with all our heart, even if our faith is very small, that God is able to use that and bless us. Because God loves to pour out his blessing. God is not a boring, stingy miser. I hope that that doesn't come as a surprise to you. Uh, if you uh, are here for the first time, you've not had much experience with church, it may come as a surprise to you uh, because of the caricatures that you see of God on television and that kind of thing. But our experience of God is that God is the most incredible, the most wonderful person that we could ever meet. God gave me the vision of growing this church as our initial growth target to 10,000 people. And then a couple of confirmations came in, one that was completely independent. Uh, the, the person didn't know anything about the vision that God had given me at that point. But as I said the other day, many people have never been in a crowd of 10,000 people, let alone in a church meeting that size. And so because we haven't seen it, it can be hard to imagine it. And if we can't imagine it, it can be hard to have faith to believe that that can happen. Now for me, it's fairly easy most of the time for me to, to believe it because I have seen it. Um, one example was uh, some years ago I was at a Billy Graham meeting in Bristol at the uh, Bristol City Football Club and there were 27,500 people there in the football stadium and because I knew the guy who was organising the series of events I got a volunteer to be up on the stage 
and to open one of the meetings in prayer. It was the youth evening, so obviously it wasn't very long ago. And uh, so I had to go at the front, right at the beginning of this meeting, and in front of 27,500 people, uh, start to pray. And believe me, that was scary. That's not the kind of place that I would choose to be. I'm quite, I'd much uh, more naturally choose to be in the background. I've been at Twickenham, for example, seeing England play rugby. Uh, unfortunately, not against South Africa. Uh, but I uh, don't know if we have any South Africans here. <laughs> not anymore. You've changed nationality, have you? But... Uh, whatever nation you're from, you're welcome. <laughs> and if you've been at a rugby event, a football event, maybe a pop concert, you know how exciting it is to be in a large crowd, thousands and thousands of people, all there with one purpose, all excited about one thing. It's incredible to be there. But for many of us, that is, you know, that's not our experience. So how do we move from where we are now, with the little bit of faith that we have, uh, to where God wants us to be? How do we enter into the blessing that God has for us? How can we take hold of what God wants us to do? We want to experience God's blessing rather than just hearing, hearing about it from a distance. Well, I've got four uh, headings today. Uh, The first one is that we can come as we are, but we don't have to stay as we are. The second is that we take one step at a time. The third one is that we do the little that we can. And the fourth one is that we bring people one by one. Let's see how each of those fits. First thing is, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. It all starts with us dealing with reality. We, we, God doesn't want us to pretend that we're more together or more spiritual than we really are. One of the things that I value very highly is reality. I hate religious conformity. And so when people come to church, I want you to be able to come as you are. I don't want you to have to pretend that everything's together. But come as you are. You can come with it all hanging out. Jesus gave the the Jewish religious leaders a hard time because uh, most of them, not all of them, but most of them, Uh, put up, kept up a pretense of being good when their hearts were really far from God. They were religious hypocrites. Matthew 15, verse 7. Jesus was fairly blunt with them, wasn't he? He said, you hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Jesus is saying, I am not interested in external conformity. The thing that God looks at is he looks at our heart and he wants us to be able to be honest about what's happening in our heart as we come together. Jesus wanted people to come to him just as they were. Take, for for example, Matthew. Uh, His other name was Levi. He collected tax for the Romans and as such he was considered a social outcast. He was hated by most people. But Jesus was passing by him one day uh, as he was sitting there in his uh, tax-collecting booth and Jesus said, come and follow me. And so Levi got up just as he was, left everything and went with Jesus. He didn't have to sort out anything first. He didn't have to come and, uh, you know, sort out his finances and make restitution and everything else before he came to Jesus. He came to Jesus just as he was And then the other things started to get sorted out. 
And sometimes we try and do things the wrong way around. We try and make ourselves acceptable to God. We try and make things right in our life so that we can come before him. It happens the other way around. We come to God as we are. We admit before him our brokenness. And we come before him in complete humility. And then that gives God freedom to be able to come in and change the other stuff and set us free. And uh, as Levi, Matthew, started to experience this uh, acceptance from Jesus, he very quickly decided that he was going to throw a party. And he invited all his other friends in, all the other social misfits, and uh, they started having a party together. And the Pharisees, the Jewish religious leaders, started to get very upset about this. Luke 5 verse 30 gives us their response. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? As if they were any better. Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. When we think we're okay, when we think we've got it together, that's the moment that we need to humble ourselves before God, and we come to him as we are. Jesus was happy spending time with people who didn't have it together. Jesus didn't condemn them, but he welcomed them as they were. But as well as welcoming people as they were, Jesus also encouraged them to change. Right from the beginning, there was the expectation that there needed to be change there. You may remember the story about the woman who was caught uh, committing adultery. And she was brought before Jesus, and uh, we won't go into the whole story now, but in John 8, verse 11, Jesus said, "I I do not condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. It's not one truth or the other, it's both. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. God welcomes us just as we are, but he expects us to change because he has something that is so much better for us. With Jesus, there is unconditional love, there is a great welcome, as well as the power to change. So come as you are, but don't stay as you are. The second thing is take one step at a time. If you go back a bit further in history, the people of Israel were preparing to enter the promised land. In in Deuteronomy 7, verse 22, it says, The Lord your God will drive out those nations before you, little by little. You'll not be allowed to eliminate them all at once, or the wild animals will multiply around you. They were to enter into the promised land and receive their inheritance little by little, to take as much as they could to enjoy that, and then to expand on from there. And God gives his blessing to us in amounts that we can handle. We don't get healed all at once as much as we would love to. We don't have all the bumps and bruises sorted out from the past just in one go. If God was to do that, if God was to pour out his healing power upon us uh, with enough power to heal everything that had ever happened to us so that we were completely set free, it would kill us. We just wouldn't be able to handle it. And so God gives it to us little by little. He brings a little bit of healing, and then he allows us to start to live out that healing and bring about the changes that need to happen. And then he gives us a bit more healing, and we're able to grow into that. And so we grow, and we do it one step at a time. Ezekiel 28, verse 5. I mentioned this verse last week. Because of your wealth, your heart has grown proud. This was uh, talking about Satan. Uh, His heart became proud, and so he he fell. God's blessing on him was so great, he received so much all at once, and he ended up thinking that he'd done it all himself, that somehow he'd made himself great, 
Or we like to think, don't we, that we can make it through on our own. And God makes it very clear we can't. We have to rely on him. We have to walk with him. God wants us to stay in step with him, relying on him, not taking him for granted, not taking his blessing for granted, but just taking a step at a time. And so we start at the beginning, and then we take one, the next step. And that's where all of us have started. I don't know if uh, all of you have been involved in praying for people to be healed. I remember the first time I prayed for someone to be healed. I really had no idea what I was doing. Uh, someone just grabbed me by the hand, dragged me off, and they said, right, put your hand here and invite the Holy Spirit to come. So I put my hand there and I invited the Holy Spirit to come. And then I thought, well, I wonder what I'd do next. But that was really it, wasn't it? Maybe you, your experience was the same. You know, you put your hand on their shoulder and you say, come Holy Spirit. And then you wait and think, right, well, what do I do now? I was too nervous to hear anything that God was trying to say to me. Thankfully, I was only presented with a, a minor sickness. Uh, if I'd been presented with someone in a wheelchair or who wanted to walk or something like that, I would have just been completely freaked out by it, I think. And so God wants us to get practice on the easy ones first, you know, simple things like headaches and colds and that kind of stuff. And then we can go on to the bigger ones. Now, in a way, that's a weird way of thinking about it, isn't it? Because we can't do any of them. We need to rely on God just as much for seeing uh, a simple headache healed as we do for seeing somebody's leg grow. We can't do either of them. We just as much need to rely on God. And yet God gives us what we consider to be the simple ones to start off with so that our faith can grow, so that we can get a bit of experience of seeing God's power at work and then we can move on to bigger things so that our faith can grow there. So anyway, I started praying for people and uh, hoping that something would happen, that I wouldn't do any damage to them or anything like that. And then I remember fairly shortly after that, I got my first word of knowledge. I was so excited. God spoke to me about the person that I was praying for, gave me a snippet of information, and I said, does this mean anything to you? And he said, yes, it does. And then as I prayed about that, God's power came upon him and he started to receive uh, more powerfully from God. I was so excited about it. And then I remember I saw someone actually totally healed in one go for the first time. Not just get a little bit better, but totally healed. And then I saw someone set free from a demon. Uh, I was able to rebuke the demon, bind it in Jesus' name and command it to go. And it went one step at a time. God doesn't expect us to do the big things to start off with. He expects us to just take one step, to do the small things, to allow our faith to grow, to move just outside our comfort zone until our comfort zone has grown, and then we keep moving out, and uh, our faith will grow, and we'll see bigger things happen. So we take one step at a time. And that leads us to the third thing, do the little you can. Don't worry about what you can't do. It's very easy to feel guilty that we ought to be doing more, and sometimes we should be doing more. But don't worry about what you can't do, just do what you can. The Bible says that there is no condemnation for those who are walking with Jesus. Condemnation comes from the devil, it doesn't come from God. If you look at the story of Gideon back in uh, Judges, uh, Gideon was in a really bad situation. Uh, the, the people of Israel had gone through a, a series of invasions from the surrounding nations and at that time they were being in, invaded by Midian, by the Midianites. And the, Israel at that time was without any kind of leadership and uh, the people were being so badly invaded. Every harvest time 
the, uh, the Midianites would come in, they would steal all the harvest, they would rape and kill and pillage and everything, and then they would clear off. And so the people of Israel would be hiding in caves, trying to hide a little bit of food here and there, and that's exactly the, the situation that we find Gideon in. And God comes to him. God sends an angel, speaks through the angel, and says to him, I'm going to rescue Israel through you. And uh, in Judges 6, verse 14, the Lord said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord Gideon asked, How can I save Israel? I mean, let's be real about it. Look at Gideon's situation. He was hiding in a cave. He was trying to grind corn in a wine press because if he'd hid it anywhere else, it would have been discovered. He was so fearful. And he says, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you. Manasseh was only a half tribe of Israel. It wasn't even a full tribe. He considered himself to be the least in his family. He really didn't have a very high opinion of himself or of anything that he could do. This vision that God had given him was just too big. Most people don't think that they can do very much. Most people have a very low opinion of themselves. And for some people it pushes them towards workaholism and they try and prove themselves that way. Other people sometimes give up. But we're told, aren't we, that the average person has over 500 different gifts and abilities. Over 500 different gifts and abilities. Things that we have been given by God, things that we can use. Now you take that and then you add God to the equation and you have combustion. Now even if you uh, just have one ability, you have a pulse. Actually you'll need two because you'll need to breathe as well. Okay, so you have a pulse, you can breathe, you add God to that and you then have a difference. You have ability because uh, if you're with God, you're in the majority. You're on the winning side. You can't help but win when you're walking with God. You may see some setbacks along the way, but the ultimate outcome is assured that we have won. My brother forwarded an email to me this week. Uh, I don't know how many times it's been around the planet. You may have seen it before. Um, but it's about some daffodils that have been planted at Lake Arrowhead. I'll read you a couple of snippets from it. We turned the corner of the path, and I looked up and gasped. Before me lay the most glorious sight. It looked as though someone had taken a great vat of gold and poured it down over the mountain peak and slopes. The flowers were planted in majestic swirling patterns. Great ribbons and swathes of deep orange, white, lemon yellow, salmon pink, saffron and butter yellow. And in all, over five acres of this mountainside had been planted up with daffodils. It's a huge effect. And so they wanted to know more about it and it says, we walked up to the house on the patio, we saw the poster, Answers to the questions I know you're asking. The first answer was simple. 50,000 bulbs. The second answer was, one at a time, by one woman. Two hands, two feet, and very little brain. That was her estimate, not mine. And the third answer was, began in 1958. One small thing done deliberately, and consistently will bring great results. We can start with little things. We saw last week. No, it wasn't last week. Where was it? The Leader's Day. Uh, the Bible says, don't despise the day of small things. Most things that we do will not feel like moving mountains. They won't feel like they're having huge impact. 
But every little action has its effect. Every chair, every piece of equipment that is set out on a Sunday morning makes it possible for us to draw close to God and it makes it possible for people who don't know Jesus to come in and experience him. Every child cared for and loved in toddlers and in KC2 does exactly the same thing, as well as gradually introducing those children to relationship with God. Every little action may seem insignificant at the time, but it has impact. Matthew 10, 42, Jesus said, If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he's my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. The most insignificant things, if you do it deliberately and consistently, will bring about great things. And the last thing, number four, is bring them one by one. 10,000 people is a lot of people, but they come one by one. Mother Teresa was asked how she managed to feed so many people every day. And she answered, one by one. If we look at the big numbers, we can be overwhelmed. But if we look at the little bit that we can do, then we find that we actually, we actually have faith for that. We can play our part. Now, in the UK, we don't usually see large groups of people coming to Jesus in one go. Occasionally, we'll see a whole family. But usually, people come one by one. We could easily see this church double in size, see double the number of people come to know Jesus personally. All it takes is just for each one to bring one. If we did that each year, we would start off, let's say, for sake of argument, we have about 200 adults this year. Next year, we would have 400. Then we would have 800, 1,600, 3,200, 6,400, then 12,800. In just five and a half years, we would reach... 10,000 adults plus children. All it takes is for each person to bring one person into the life of the church each year. That's something that we can do. It does mean we have to move outside our comfort zone, but we can do that. Now, why are we interested in those numbers? Because those numbers, each of those numbers, represents a person who needs Jesus. And that's the only reason that numbers are important. I'm not interested in big numbers. They frighten me. I don't like large crowds, particularly if I have to queue. Uh, But I love people, and I want uh, people to meet Jesus. Levi threw a party so that all his friends could meet Jesus. And I don't know what Jesus did at the meeting. I I don't imagine there was a huge amount of preaching, if any. But Jesus was just there, meeting with people, and who Jesus was shone through. Uh... When we did the men's go-karting, the comment afterwards from a couple of the guys was, if those are the people who go to your church, then I would love to come. You know, we didn't do anything particularly religious that day, uh, but that's, it was just by hanging out with each other that people saw that. Levi had found someone who changed his life, and he wanted to be able to share that. We count people because people count. Numbers are important because people are important. The good shepherd counted his sheep, And when he found that one was missing, he went after it, because that one that was missing was vitally important to him. In Luke 19, verse 10, in a different story, Jesus said, I came to seek and to save what was lost. And Jesus calls us to be part of the same commission, the same thing that he was doing. So you can put your name in there. Andrew came to seek and save what was lost. That's my job description. That'll do for starters. There are some more bits of it as well. 
Because without Jesus, we are spiritually lost. We are cut off from life. We have no hope, no future. And so uh, we want to bring people to know Jesus. Now we're told that the reason that most people don't come to church is not because they're atheists. It's not that they have a religious or rather a theological problem. It's, for most people, it's a sociological problem. It's that they're uh, to do with emotional and relational concerns. Typical complaints about church are church is boring, unfriendly, money-grabbing, uncomfortable, irrelevant, hypocritical, and you could probably add a few more. And so when we present the gospel, when we present the good news about Jesus, we need to, uh, as well as telling people what God is like, we need to show the relevance, the excitement, the power, the reality of who Jesus is and what he can do for us. And that happens as you tell your story. Just being a witness to what God has done for you and the things that you've heard. Any one of us could go and with the people we're chatting about tomorrow, tell the story that we heard at the beginning. Any one of us could tell that story. And it just speaks about the power of God. Just outside Oxford at Wheatley Park, uh, when sitting for a portrait, asked the artist to paint his picture warts and all. The fashion at the time was, no matter how uh, badly scarred or disfigured the face was, to, to make it look perfect. But Jesus says to us today, you don't need to try and hide who you are or what you are or the things that are going on in your life. You come as you are. Because he says to us, I know every detail anyway. You can't hide it from me and I love you. In spite of those things, I love you and I want to bless you. So come as you are, but don't stay as you are. God has so much more for us. We get to walk with God doing what he does. And all of us start off at the same point the beginning, and then we learn to walk. And everyone gets to play, learning to heal the sick, seeing lives changed, learning to worship, learning to reach out to other people. And God calls us to just take one step at a time. Don't be overwhelmed by the the big picture, but just take one step at a time. Do small things for God. Great visions are achieved by small actions done deliberately and consistently. God wants to use you. God wants to use me. And we each have our part to play. We could each bring one person into the life of this church, reaching out to one person so that they can experience the incredible love of God that we we have received as well. And so love is our aim. The aim of all of this is not to build a big church. It's not to have big numbers. It's simply that people should experience the love of God. That is our aim that we would know Jesus better, that we would walk with him, and that we would be able to bring our friends to know him as well. I'm going to close this, uh, this little bit by going through a prayer with you like I did last week, and it may be there are some, some of you here this morning who don't know Jesus personally, and you'd like to get to know him, and uh, we're going to put a prayer up just now. And this is a prayer for anybody who wants to get right with God. It may be that you have never met God, and that you... Uh, you want to say for the first time, God, I want to get to know you. I'm sorry for the things that are wrong in my life. I'm sorry that I've been uh, living my life without really any reference to you at all. And I want to come and I want to walk with you. I want to experience your forgiveness and your love. And if that's true for you, then you just pray the prayer silently between you and God. And uh, for others, it may be that there's something in particular that you want to just put right with God. You can use the prayer to do that as well. So I'll pray this, and you just pray it quietly. 
Jesus, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything which I know is wrong and I surrender to you. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me the gift of forgiveness, new life and your spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever, to be my forgiver and leader. Amen. If any of you prayed that prayer, I say in Jesus' name you're forgiven. Whether you prayed that for the first time or the umpteenth time, I say that in Jesus' name you're forgiven. That everything is dealt with. Everything is blotted out. And that you are now spiritually clean and you can come before God. For those of you who prayed it for the first time, uh, something has happened spiritually. You may not have sensed it happening. But something has happened. You have been transferred out of... Uh, the Bible calls it darkness, the kingdom of darkness, and you've been transferred into the kingdom of light to become part of God's family, to become one of his children. And God wants you now to be able to grow in that relationship, to grow in his love for you. And we would love to be able to help you in that process. And uh, so there are a couple of things we can do to help you this morning. One is we would love to pray for you. If you'd like someone to pray for you so that that really becomes real to you, then uh, when other people come over to your right uh, to receive prayer, then just come down to the front and we'll pray for you. Tell the person who's praying for you that uh, you prayed the prayer today. The other thing is at the back we have some Bibles that we'd like to give out to anybody who prayed this prayer or is thinking about praying that prayer. Uh, and it's, it's another way of helping you to grow and start to become strong in your relationship with God. So if you go and get your free CD, you can say to Peter and his team, uh, that you prayed the prayer or that you'd like a Bible as well. Okay, just before we finish, a couple of pictures were given to me earlier. Uh, someone had a picture of cracked, a cracked desert soil. You know how when uh, the ground dries out, it cracks up. And there was a jug of water that had been pouring onto this desert. And uh, the, the picture then developed into a, a cloud, a small cloud coming over and starting to rain. And then more clouds came and started to pour and uh, drench the ground and they, uh, we felt that uh, God was saying that that's what he wants to do that uh, in this place, in this city that is so spiritually dry that God wants to bring his rain and pour out his blessing upon us and uh, each one of us can receive that so if you feel like you're, today that you're dry uh, that your heart is a bit, uh, bit parched, a bit cracked then get someone to pray for you before you leave this morning uh, another thing was someone who had uh, fear to do with their finances. If that means anything to you, we'd love to pray for you because God can, God can handle that. And the last one, a uh, simple word, surrender. It's simple to say, it's more difficult to do, isn't it? So if you're having trouble surrendering to God, there's something you're struggling with, then we would love to pray with you about that as well. If you'd like to stand, please, we'll pray. Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that your desire is to bless us more than we could possibly imagine. We thank you that you have a good plan for each of our lives and for our church and for the communities that we live in. And Father, we ask that you'd help us this week to walk close to you and that we would start to see more of that blessing poured out. Lord, we ask that more of that rain would come upon this dry and thirsty place and that we would see more people coming to know you. 
Lord, we ask that we would know you more this week, that you'd strengthen us in our walk with you. Lord, show us what the, those little things are that you want us to do, the things that we need to build into our life and do consistently and deliberately, the things that will bring impact for your kingdom. And so in Jesus' name I bless you. May God bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his smile upon you. May you know his favor and his unconditional love for you. In Jesus' name. Amen.